This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. up what's up what's up how we doing how we doing and welcome to episode 172 episode 172 of the banner banter podcast i'm your host and favorite boston celtic season ticket holder timmy g how's everyone doing hope you had a great tuesday you can find me on the twitter machine at banner banter 18 or on facebook and instagram at banner banter podcast and like you know i've said it a million times before part of the big night media team with some great podcasts like eat the damn cake drinks after work i'm the promoter he's the dj boston uncommon with joe maz burnt toast 30 flirty and surviving music you're missing rambling with a purpose chance to strive and so many more and if you're into sports cards don't forget to check out big night breaks every single weeknight even sometimes on the weekend youtube facebook instagram whatnot you can go straight to patriot place go check out the card vault you can buy cards in person get your cards graded the whole nine yards and you can always follow big night media on instagram check out timmy ticket tuesday for your chance to win free tickets to upcoming shows at big night live and Go to BigNightShop.com. Oh, BigNightShop.com. That was weird. .com. Uh, BigNightShop.com. Support the podcast. Support me. Really appreciate it. Click on the Big Night Media tab. Buy some Banner Banter podcast merchandise, some hats, some hoodies, some long sleeve tees, some t-shirts, a raincoat that everyone's obsessed with, including myself, and so on and so forth. So, just like I predicted, Celtics lose game one, which is okay. Got to win Thursday, though. Holy motherfucking God, you got to win on Thursday. But Celtics lose 118-107. to 107. Game 2 will be on Thursday in Miami on ESPN at 8.30. And for everyone complaining that the game didn't start right at 8.30, welcome to the NBA. Have you ever watched an NBA game before? It never starts on time, ever, especially with the draft lottery before. I mean, it's kind of nice that we're not part of the draft lottery anymore, but... Watching that third quarter maybe want to be part of the draft lottery. I'll tell you that right now. But anyways, so before we dive deep, let's talk about obviously the big news. Celtics are now without Al Horford, who is out with health and safety protocols. Of course, we send Al our best. Love Al, his family. Hope everyone is okay and hope everyone makes a full recovery. Now, here's the question. Did Al Horford test positive? Celtics will not comment. They haven't commented all season. They've, they're very consistent with that, and I respect that. So did he test positive or was he a close contact? Now, whether you believe COVID is a thing or not, it is here. It's not going anywhere for whatever reason. New York is back to now a high alert state. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts is seeing COVID numbers as high or at the same rate as they did in January of this year. It's here. It's around. It's annoying. But if COVID ruins this run for the Boston Celtics, 
and they get and and they don't make the finals because multiple players are out for COVID. I'm telling you this right now. My therapist is going to need a full time job just to pay attention to me because I'm going to go to a very very dark place. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, the Celtics found out two hours before the game that Al Horford tested positive or close contact, whatever. It's so crazy to me. So if Al Horford was a close contact with his family members, here's a question. If Al Horford was at shoot-around, which he was, the Celtics literally posted an Instagram photo of it, of all of them. Al Horford was on the plane with them. Was Al wearing a mask? All this crazy stuff. Does that mean the entire Celtics team are close contacts? And if that's the case, how will the NBA deal with that? So was Al feeling sick, told the, the medical staff, trainers, whatever, that he wasn't feeling well, they tested him, tested positive, and that was that? Or was he a close contact? So now if, does the rest of the Celtics team have to test now? I, I don't know. I don't get it. There's so many questions. It's concerning. I mean, even, you know, Woj tweeted out, the Celtics are planning on playing without Al Horford in game two, which sucks. You obviously want Al Horford back. You don't want to go to down 2-0 against a team that is hungry, like the Miami Heat. And the other thing is, is like, Ime said that they're not sure if Al's going to play or not. So does that mean there's a chance that Al's going to play? So it's just very weird and concerning. And then, you know, Marcus Smart, he's out with his mid-foot sprain. NBC Sports Boston posted a picture of him walking into the arena, and it looked awful. He did not look healthy in any way, shape, or form. Not really an idea, but man, oh man, do we need him back. I mean, the Heat ran 10 pick-and-roll plays in the fourth quarter with Peyton Pritchard, or I'm sorry, when Peyton Pritchard was the screen defender, five times as many as any other Celtics player, and the Heat scored 13 points in seven tries. So that's basically about two points every single time. That's not good. The Celtics are going to have to find a way to hide Peyton Pritchard defensively because Jimmy Butler is going to eat him alive. And he did that. I mean, there were a couple times where Peyton was right there. He played great defense, but Jimmy Butler has like five or six inches on him, shot right over him, stared down at him. Just It just sucked. Now, before we dive deep into that third quarter, I just want to talk about point differentials in quarters with the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. So tonight, the Boston Celtics won three out of the four quarters and lost the game by 11. The Celtics outscored the Heat in three out of the four quarters, lost by 11 because one of those quarters, they lost by 25 fucking points. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble, two years ago, three years ago, it seems like forever ago. The Celtics lost three out of the five quarters because the game did go into OT. Two out of those three quarters, they lost by 12 points each, and they lost the game. So they lost two quarters by a total of 24 points, and tonight they lost one quarter by a total of 25 points. Game two, same series in the bubble. Celtics won three out of the four quarters, lost by five, and one quarter they lost by 20. Think about that. So I just talked about 12 quarters of basketball. Okay, the Celtics won 6 out of those, no, 8 out of those 12, which is a really good percentage. In 2 of those quarters, they lost by a total of 45 points. You can't let the Heat 
beat you just in one quarter and you beat them in the rest. You can't do it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm pausing in between like what I'm saying because the thought of that is insane. Game three in the bubble. They won three out of the four quarters, won the game, and guess what? They only lost one quarter by four points. Huh. Game four, each team won two quarters, Celtics lost. Game five, Celtics won three quarters, and the one quarter that they lost, they only lost by eight. But they won the game. So the two games that they win against the Miami Heat in the bubble, in the Eastern Conference Finals, they lost by a total of 12 points in two quarters. In two quarters, in tonight's game, in game two, in the bubble, 45 fucking points. Figure it out. Figure it out. It's absolutely unbelievable. So do you want to talk about this third quarter? I mean, shall we? Does does anyone want to talk about it? Because I sure as fuck don't. I mean, does it... Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll let you say something while you're driving in your car. Maybe you're in the shower listening to my beautiful voice as you're using your head and shoulders body wash or whatever the case, Old Spice, whatever the case may be, Pantene Pro-V, Paul Mitchell, all that good stuff, Maybelline. It, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. I will let you say what annoyed you the most in the third quarter. Ready, set, go. Okay, did that make you feel better? But let's start off with the fact that Jason fucking Tatum had six turnovers. Six fucking turnovers. Ugh. Oh my god. Six turnovers by supposedly one of the top ten best players in the league in one quarter. Six turnovers. I mean, this Celtics team allowed 39 points. 39 points in one quarter in the first half they allowed 54 total in 24 minutes and in 12 they allowed 39 they only scored 14 points and two of them were made field goals the other 12 were from free throws one of them was you know a lob to the time lord and the other was um what was the other one oh yeah daniel tice offensive rebound the celtics had 17 assists in the first half. 17. They had one in the third quarter. One. Like, what the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? Like, why did they go away from what was working? Attacking the paint. If it didn't work, drive and kick. If that didn't work, shot fake, drive and kick. Someone cut. Like, the the ball movement was beautiful. It was glorious. It was something that... I drool over every any basketball fan would drool over. Even if you don't like basketball and you just are like, "Oh, hey, I'm a I'm from Boston and then I'm going to support my team and or I'm a hockey guy and sure, go Celtics cuz now the Bruins lost." You'd be like, "Wow, the Celtics are really passing the ball well here in the first half." 17 first half assists, one in the third quarter. Unbelievable. And and like the defense just stopped trying. And the passes. Oh, my God. The passes were so lazy. Like, my nieces could throw the ball better than these guys. They were just the entry passes into, you know, the high picks before pick and rolls and the handoffs. Like, it was just done so lazy. 
And, and, you know, ESPN kept showing the replay. I don't care that Jimmy Butler was looking at the ball. He should. He does. He's a great defender. And that's his job. But you cannot be lazy against the Miami Heat. They will tear you apart. And that is exactly what they did. The Celtics outscored the Heat 93-79 to in this game. The Celtics were 14 points better than the Miami Heat in 36 minutes of basketball. This game is 48 minutes long. The Celtics were 14 points better without Al Horford and Marcus Smart, and they just gave the game away in 12 minutes of basketball. The Heat, if I remember correctly, the Heat had five offensive rebounds in the first half and two second-chance points, and at the end of the third quarter, they had nine offensive rebounds and 11 second-chance points. So one doubled, and the other was five times more. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And listen, I get it that they were wiped. It's a quick turnaround, game seven, physical series against the Bucks. And at the end of the first quarter, Derek White was exhausted. Derek White went balls to the wall. And I understand Derek White missed some shots, but, you know, and he can't run the offense as well as Marcus. But, I mean, would you rather have Josh Richardson out there offensively? Okay, sure, but maybe not defensively. I mean, Derek White played pretty well, you know, with some block shots and stuff. And But it looked like he ran the Boston Marathon like 12 times when he was done with the first quarter. It was crazy. And the same thing with Rob. I mean, Rob hasn't played this much basketball in like three months. And he was exhausted. He was wiped. But, like, you cannot, you cannot have brain farts against this Miami Heat team. P.J. Tucker has been around the block. Jimmy Butler has been around the block. Eric Spolstra has been around the block. Uh, who's their assistant? Chris Quinn, been around the block. Even um, Haslam, the guy who's been in the NBA since, I believe, 1902, and it just sits on the Heat's, Heat bench and makes a lot of money. Like, he knows what to do and what not to do, and... They can read things well, and you cannot have brain farts. This, Eric Spolster is too good of a coach, and they care too much. This is an old-school team. They will, just, they will just eat you up and spit you out. But, I mean, to allow a 22-2 run, a 22-2 run to start a quarter after halftime with no fans in the stands, when you have a lead going in, what a fucking joke. So, I don't know. Were there any positives tonight? I mean, I guess you could say Jason Tatum attacked on the rim a lot, got to the rim nine times. You know, at, at times he really did what he wanted to do out there, which was great. Moved the ball around. He defended very well. He got like four steals. He didn't shoot that great from three, but what else is new? But those seven turnovers in six and one quarter just ain't it. And But like, uh, it was just so frustrating because Tatum got what he wanted early and then they went away from it. And I understand Tatum can do that from time to time. But what concerned me, and Ime called it out after the game, and I'm kind of glad that he did. This game isn't on Peyton Pritchard missing some shots. This game isn't on Rob Williams. This game isn't on number 12. This game isn't on DW9. It's on Jalen and Jason. They had to take control when the Heat were swinging during this 22-2 run, and they didn't do it. They failed in that aspect. And... Again, that's that's the gift and the curse about these guys being young and being in these type of positions that, you know, 
their leadership is going to get better and better every single year. But in this case, it, it just wasn't great, and that's okay. Jalen knows what to do now. Jason knows what to do now. They're going to watch some tape. Ime's going to make some adjustments. He's going to really sit down with Jalen and Jason, and everything's going to be good. So they had a little hiccup. It was just too long of a hiccup. It was a borderline stroke. But let me talk about number 12, number 12, number 12. How are we doing, bud? Actually, I hope your face is okay because you did get kicked in the face, and that actually looked pretty painful. But, like, besides that, what the fuck were you doing out there tonight? Passed up a bunch of threes. I mean, they're calling you uh, Grant Curry, right? Right? But, like, you can't pass up a bunch of threes, especially when you made your first one. When you made your first one. But, like, some of the... I mean, I understand why he was pissed about the Jimmy Butler running towards him with this, you know, or running in his way. That that will never be called in the NBA, especially with a star like Jimmy Butler. It will never be called. It's frustrating, but, like, he he just didn't play well tonight. I mean, Daniel Tice is back up. I mean, he didn't play that great either, but I guess you could say he played a little bit better. I mean, Daniel Tice was a minus 16, but he rebounded the ball well. He played very good defense at, at times. He got that huge block on Dwayne Dedman, and he hit some shots. I think he was 4 of 6, maybe 4 or 5 from the field. And, yeah, um, oh, yeah, Jalen. You know, Jalen, I said it in episode 60. And I will drill, and I said it in episode whatever the first episode this season was. Jalen Brown is the most important player for the regular season and for the playoffs for the Boston Celtics. I said it in episode 160 in my playoff preview. And the other thing that I said is that his free throw shooting has to be better than 75% in the playoffs. And tonight it was 60%. He was 6 of 10 from the line. And the fact that he only had two turnovers is crazy because it felt like he had 45,000. There was one time where Jalen Brown tried to do a spin move between, I'm pretty sure, the entire city of Miami, and it just didn't work out. It was it was very annoying. I mean, Peyton, Rob, they were great, nice little sparks for the team. Rob finally had some bounce. Rob looked healthy um, on both ends. You know, caught some lobs, blocked some shots, got some tough rebounds, really looked like himself again, which you love to see. You know, Peyton at times forced it a little bit, maybe a little bit too much. I, I feel like one of the small negatives about Peyton Pritchard is like when he gets going, he doesn't care who else is out there. He doesn't care if Jalen, Jason, whatever. But the Celtics have to find a way, no matter how well he's shooting the basketball, they have to find a way to hide him defensively, whether that's going zone, which is going to be tough to do against a very good three-point shooting team. There's a lot of different things that you can do. But I will say this. I did like how the Celtics closed out on the Miami Heat shooters. I thought they did it very well. Yes, I understand. It was frustrating. Well, here's here's the really frustrating part. So, and this and this could be an Al Horford thing, maybe this Eme thing or not. So, to start the halfway through the first quarter, when Tyler Hero came out, they they were setting pick and rolls for Tyler Hero, and Rob Williams has a decision: he can fly at Tyler Hero to try and block a three pointer, but Tyler Hero is very good off the dribble as well. Or do you drop back and force him to shoot a three? And they did that. So what is Ime going to do? Is he going to change that up? If he's going to change that up, is Tyler Hero going to be ready for that change and attack the rim, driving kick, or maybe get to the free throw line? So that part is going to be interesting to see if Rob's going to drop or not. But besides the pick and roll and them dropping and kind of letting the the heat shoot, which at times worked, um, I thought they closed out very well on their shooters. You know, Gabe Vincent had some ridiculous threes. Max Struss has a quick release, so that's really hard to defend him. But it's not like they really had a lot of 
open three-pointers. I mean, the the Celtics held the Heat to, I think, 33% from three, and, and you'll take that. But with the Heat only missing four free throws and the Celtics missing eight in a four-point game, it's just crushing. And they lost the rebounding too, which they shouldn't because the Heat are so small. And I understand no Al Horford. Celtics are also small too, but like Jason's got to do a better job on the boards. I thought Jalen did a good job on the boards today. But I, I don't know. I just felt like they did so many good things in the first quarter. And to see that third quarter was just so crushing. And But hey. Remember, they lost game one against the Bucks by 12. This one, they only lost by 11. So I guess that's improvement. I don't know. So before I end the podcast, game two, Thursday, what can the Celtics do? First off, number one, super important, stop being lazy. Stop being fucking lazy. Every pass, every box out, every rebound, all of it matters, especially versus this Miami Heat team. Understood? Great. Number two, limit the turnovers. You got to stay under 15 turnovers because when they got... In that third quarter, what, two steals in a row, three steals in a row for easy layups That's and quick six points, you, you just stop being lazy and limit your turnovers. Then, do not let the Heat set up their their defense. You have to move without the ball against the Heat. Whether they're going to be ready for pick and rolls, they are so athletic defensively. It, it's, it's literally like the Celtics are playing their own defense. They're going to switch. They're going to annoy you. So the Celtics have to find a way to move without the ball, you know, set some off-ball screens, curls, whatever the case may be, and you got to do it. You got to do it. First half assists, 15. They were on pace to have 34 assists in this game, and they only ended up with 22. You got to move without the ball. Stop the ISO stuff. Number four. Um, What was number four in my brain? Oh, yeah. I think the Celtics need to be aware of Bam Adebayo. I think Bam Adebayo is going to be a focal point for Eric Spolstra in Game 2. Jimmy Butler got his. Jimmy Butler was bubble Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the guy who beat the Celtics and almost beat the Lakers in the bubble. Jimmy Butler today said, I refuse for every single media person in the country <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to talk about my game. <coughs> oh boy, I think I need some Ascentia here. Um, please hold during this quick commercial break. Okay, I'm back. And thanks to our sponsors, Ascentia. Overachieving water. All right. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Butler. He was, I refuse for the national media to talk about my game on how I'm like the fourth best superstar left in this. Tonight, he showed why... He arguably could win this series for the Miami Heat. No joke. But what are the Celtics going to do? Are they going to treat Jimmy Butler like Giannis and say, you can drop 40 and we'll let the rest of the team try and beat us, and if not, we're going to win this series? But here's the thing. Bam Adebayo can be that Chris Middleton that the Bucks didn't have. And Gabe, uh, Gabe Vincent is better than Grayson Allen, and Max Struss is better than Pat Connington, and P.J. Tucker does things better than Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. So I really think that the Heat are going to make, especially if Al Horford doesn't play again, I really and truly think the Heat are going to focus on Bam Adebayo to be a big player in this game. And then finally, keep attacking the rim. But if you do, hit your free throws. I mean, if Bam Adebayo is not in that game, I'm not afraid of Dwayne Dedman. I'm not afraid of P.J. Tucker or any of those guys. Attack the rim. 
hold that basketball, and go up strong. I really think the Celtics can pull off game two. They just can't have any brain farts, and if they do, they can't turn into a puddle. And yeah, that's all I got for you. But uh, episode 173 will be out on Friday morning. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. We'll talk to you on Friday. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Thank you.